for us to enter even junior college, you have to have TOEFL score, like English yeah. exam score, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have enough, so I couldn't enter any college. And yeah. that's why I had to go uh, start with English school. There's like six different levels. You have to do, take a placement test. I started with three, level three. Okay. And you study English, I guess, there. But in English school... It's a school for people who doesn't speak English, right? Yeah. So all of the classmates, they don't speak English either. Yeah. <laughs> the only uh, person who's fluent is the teacher. teacher. Yeah, so we communicate with broken English, but typically they will get together after school, they will get together with with uh, mm-hmm. friends who speak the same language, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there's like a group of... of Chinese or Taiwanese, Brazilian, Japanese. And I didn't want to join that group because then what's the point? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I would uh, go straight home and I watched movie. You got it. Okay. Every day, same movie over and over and over. To help your comprehension. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back, everyone, to the HNL Movement Podcast. Thank you again for joining me for another week. For any of the new listeners, please check back on all of the previous episodes. There's a lot of great guest interviews, solo episodes too, that I enjoyed making for everyone. Also, check out my website, my YouTube channel, Instagram. I'm trying to put a lot more content in the second half of this year up. There's going to be a lot of free content, a lot of great informative educational resources up there to really help you to optimize your performance and just improve the overall quality of your life. On YouTube, you can search HNL Movement. My handle on Instagram is HNL Movement. And also check out my website, hnlmovement.com. This is an easy way to kind of sort through all of the podcasts by categories, see some of the featured episodes, some of the great guest interviews that I've done in the past. For all of the returning listeners, thank you so much for all of your support and joining me for another week. This week, we have a very exciting episode for you. She is my previous program director coming out of the master's entry-level athletic training program at the University of Hawaii a very helpful and supportive colleague throughout my career. And now I'm very excited to go full circle back to UH and back into this academic environment where she is a faculty there, still running the graduate athletic training program at the University of Hawaii. And this colleague and very good friend of mine is Dr. Kaori Tamura. It's a very great episode to hear, not only because she's a fellow athletic trainer, but also because she grew up in Japan and she had to overcome a lot of obstacles and has a lot of valuable experience in the athletic training field. And it was great to sit down, hear her story. A lot of this I heard for the first time. So I hope you enjoy this episode too. Without saying anything more, I'm so excited. Let's jump straight into this episode. Welcome back everyone to the HNL Movement Podcast. Today I have a very special person, a great guest to talk to. It's my former program director out of 
the graduate athletic training program at UH. And I would like to welcome Kaori Tamura, Dr. Kaori Tamura to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a great one. One, because I mean, yes, we know each other pretty well over the years uh-huh. and you've helped me tremendously, not only in my second year of grad school, but even beyond that through my career. But we don't really get to sit down and talk about your story or your journey and you have a lot of great experience that i'm aware of but i don't know all of the details of how you ended up you know where you are today so let's start with all the guest interviews let's just start with your story growing up growing up you grew up in japan so anything that you want to share about that you know what was your lifestyle like sports Uh what types of sports did you participate in what was it like growing up in japan okay so let me start by saying that my elementary school mm-hmm. was one hour walk away. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in a super countryside. And yeah, the elementary school, we walk one hour, first grade. We're not allowed to catch a ride. So we all had to walk. And that's one way, right? So there's two hour commuting just by walking. walking. There's a little guys walking, right? So that's, that's where I grew up in Saitama, Japan. And uh, the only time we're allowed to catch our ride was when we were injured or sick or, you know, for whatever reason. But in the morning, the neighbor kids, we get together the first grade to sixth grade. And then the first grade, first grader, whoever that is within the neighborhood, will walk at the front and then we'll make one line. And then either another sixth grader or the fifth grader, the second oldest kid, would be all the way at the back and make sure that everybody's in line and we just walk like that Got to it. school. Okay, first, to clear this up. So is that the closest elementary school to where you live? Actually, uh, so I lived in a borderline. So there was a okay. closer school, but then we're not allowed to cross the border because it. it's a public okay. school system. Okay. Yeah. So every single day, your whole elementary career, mm-hmm. elementary school career, you walked one hour to yep. school yep. and one hour back. Yes. Now, when you say catch a ride, who gives you the ride? My parents. Oh, got it. Yeah. But everyone else, all the kids are walking. Yes. Oh, that is crazy. And yeah. that's just part of your lifestyle. Yeah, that's part of the lifestyle. <laughs> okay. Now, you know, now in today's time, 2021, right? Is it still safe for people in that area to do that yeah where i'm from Uh um is very safe um yeah if an accident happened it's it's like a big news in Uh in our town yeah yeah Yeah, so it's still very safe um yeah so what about winters cold but we still walk yeah snow rain whatever condition you were just walking as an elementary school kid i mean that's good to bring up because it's so interesting to hear i mean in the u.s we pretty much don't walk anywhere right if you think about it and that is kind of it affects the quality of our life or our fitness level greatly right but in japan even when you go on go to japan on vacation how much walking you're doing how much movement you're doing and i've said this before to other guests but every time i go to japan you know of course this might be the movement geek in me but (laughs) i see like wow everyone moves really good like 
biomechanically oh. you're moving good like you squat good you walk good you know all of these things and i think it's because of all of that movement from a young age yeah. right so explain a little bit more like what was your lifestyle like was fitness or sports was that a big part of your life growing up yeah mm. for me i mean that in itself walking two yeah. hours a day um, <laughs> for everyone uh, but i started playing basketball when i was in fifth grade because i was about this height okay. <laughs> i didn't grow, didn't since, grow <laughs> but i was a tall kid and i was recruited to play basketball and so i started in fifth grade sixth grade so in japan it's first to sixth grade that's elementary okay. school yeah and so that's when i joined the club uh, Saturday, Sunday was the practice day, so we'll, we'll go practice every weekend. Um, and I continued until college playing basketball. Okay. Yeah, so that's literally the only sport that I play growing up. The other interesting fact that I want to bring up is in school, we have cleaning hours. Okay. 45 minutes okay. every day. Okay. We clean our own classrooms. Okay. bathrooms yard wow all over yeah the whole class the whole class so we typically my school maybe like 30 kids in a class um and we divide 30 students into maybe five or six groups mm -hmm. and we split so the group one will do the bathroom group two will do Got the it. hallway three will do three and four will do mm -hmm. classroom five will do the yard and how frequently was this every said? day every day every day so you guys were practicing the covid practices before covid <laughs> <laughs> we need to do more of that i think just clean everything yeah and but, that's how we learn how to clean like yeah. it's really neat right mm -hmm. first graders we move all the little desks to one side. We put the chair on top. Uh -huh. We move all the desks on one side. Sweep yes. in line. Mm -hmm. Like first person go yep. and make a line of trash. And then a the second person will move that line to uh -huh. the next person. Uh -huh. So there's like three or four um, sweeper. Yeah. And we do it systematically. And mm -hmm. once it's swept, then we mop. I mean, yeah, mop. by hand. Oh, by yeah, hand. Not you know zoking like a yeah yeah, yeah cloth okay. and we go hand and knees hands and knees and, just, and we, we just go like how you see in the movie yes yeah and that too uh -huh. you have to overlap uh-huh so there is yeah. no, no area that is not mystery, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that is actually really interesting and it's it's good to hear because the culture and all of these things instilled at a young age because even when you go to japan it makes so much sense it's probably one of the cleanest places that you'll ever be not only like indoors right but just outdoors yeah the other thing is that you can correct me if i'm wrong but there's no trash cans right you take just take mm -hmm. your trash mm -hmm. and you take it home or take yeah. it back to your hotel or whatever and you throw it away there yeah. so you know it's just all of these little details which is what i really love about japan makes everything run so much smoother yeah but even those kind of things the cleaning this is interesting because even just to get into those positions right mm -hmm. being squatting down yep. you know kneeling crawling all of these things that really helps you to keep i think fit or yeah. keep mobile and yeah. you know be able to do these things totally and when we don't do these things obviously we see kind of what happens a lot of restrictions set in and we kind of lose that mobility that you know we're meant to move in yeah. those ways yeah so that's really interesting yeah right now i want to ask you with basketball uh-huh 
I know in Japan or what I've heard is that a lot of times it wasn't like the message wasn't to try a lot of different sports. It was kind of just to find your sport and you just keep practicing it and you're pretty much one sport the whole way. Was it like that when you grew up? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly like, like that. that. Once you once I pick basketball, uh-huh. that's the only sport that I play for uh-huh. and there's no seasons. Right? Yeah. So here there's three seasons uh-huh. and you can switch it up, but um, even in high school there's no season once you pick a sport then that is your sport and you just go with it if you want to change it then you completely change it so then that's the sport that you you play throughout the year got it yeah let's talk about what the practice schedule was like and how intense or how many hours or what was it like because you're only playing one sport so everything is focused on getting better at basketball so what was that like through your childhood and playing basketball all the way up through college? So for elementary school club, um, like I said, it was weekends. Um, so that that's the only time we practice. However, more intense, uh-huh. I guess, area or club teams or, uh-huh. you know, whatever. It depends on intensity. So mm-hmm. my team wasn't that intense. It okay. wasn't that good. Um, but... For example, my friend's daughter, um, she's in a really good team. And Mm. they practice, I believe, like two or three times a week, including weekdays. So after school, they will go to this different gym. Like they have to transport her because it's far. And yeah, they participate there. But in that club, all of the other athletes, student athletes, who are at a certain level like there is a trials and you have to it's similar to here i guess there's a trial and um all the good Mm -hmm. players uh come and play so it it is their goal to enter a good club team to be better yeah so when you when you played you mentioned there's no seasons was there any off time or was it always like just games continuously throughout the year yeah so there's not much off time. There's mm-hmm. always some sort of tournaments or leagues throughout the year that you shoot for. So, yeah, yeah there is no off time concept. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that's throughout junior. So junior high school or the middle school in Japan is seven, eight, ninth. Okay. And then 10, 11, 12th is mm-hmm. high school. Same thing. Um, you, you select a sport and that's mm-hmm. the sport that you stick with. And there's no seasons. There's always some sort of a competition throughout the year. And you keep practicing every day. Every day. <laughs> and when you actually got that. So explain, you know, on average, what mm-hmm. was your day like? Because from my understanding, talking to other people that grew up in Japan playing mm-hmm. sports, it's pretty much your whole day is consumed with activities, right? So yeah. what was your typical school day like? When would you start? And then... Were you still walking to school, I guess is the question. And then when would you actually get home and yeah. you know, kind of wind okay. down? So it depends on uh, the level. So uh-huh. the elementary school is kind of like that, just mm-hmm. weekends. Um, mm-hmm. But then middle school was further, uh, um, but we were allowed to ride bicycles. So okay. it was like 20 minutes bicycle, right, okay. to school. 
And so we'll get there. The school starts, I believe, if I remember correctly, like 8.15. Okay. So we'll get there. We'll leave house around 7.30, get there 8.15, attend class. And usually we have um, until 4 okay. p.m. So it's a long school. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised that it was so short here in the United <laughs> States. Yes, yes. Yeah. So four o'clock, you get out of the, the class and get to the gym, uh-huh. uh, practice until 6.30, okay. 7. That's middle school. Okay. And then go home. High school. The high school that I went to was far. So it was... So from, from my house to the closest train station was 15 minutes bicycle, right? Okay. And then you get on the train, and it's another 45 minutes train ride. Wow. And from that train station, another 30 minutes, okay. 30 to 40 minutes bike riding. Okay. So I had two bikes. Two bikes. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Ah. So that was a long commute to my uh, high school, but uh-huh. uh, similar. Uh, get out of school around 4 and then practice 2 to 3 hours Got after it. that. Um, some season you have morning practice before uh-huh. before school before the school Got so it. that's when I had to catch like the earliest train <laughs> yes. to get to the morning practice like that college was probably the worst in terms of the, the amount of practice yeah. oh yeah it was pretty bad within the four years that I I participated uh-huh. we had five ACLs Okay. I, I think five ACLs and one Achilles rupture. Okay. Yeah. And think of it now, like looking back, I thought it was all fatigue factors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're practicing doubles, no rest yeah. in between. Yeah. And no rest, like no off season too, no right? No off season. Yeah. yeah. So everybody had some sort of injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Before we get into the injury, so. As we mentioned before, you're an athletic trainer. Uh-huh. So thinking about the practice schedule and, you know, the approach to this year-round training, because you've worked in the collegiate setting, high school setting in the mm-hmm. U.S. as well as an athletic trainer. So when you compare that, what do you think are some of the biggest differences or what do you think are some of the positives on both sides, mm-hmm. how they train in Japan and how we train in the U.S.? Okay. I think so. Let's let's start with U.S. like okay. the season system, right? Yes. Different sports. You you have an opportunity to play different sports. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I personally, even though I love playing basketball, being the team, and I learned a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think basketball was the sport for me. God, yeah. Why would you say that? <laughs> um, I don't know. I've I've never was fast enough um (laughs) tall enough strong enough (laughs) that's that's how i felt when Uh i uh played at the college level got it yeah but then i think i maybe i would have been better at like individual sport with no contact yes so let's let's (laughs) talk about that briefly we're getting getting on a tangent but if there was any other sport that you wanted to yeah. try growing up, what do you think it would have been? Um, maybe something that does not involve contact. <laughs> Got it. So, like, what are More you thinking? skill, like, like tennis, tennis, golf, golf ping pong. I don't Got know. It. Got it. <laughs> yeah. But were those things like 
Are they pretty big in Japan? Um, as far as like high school yeah, sports? Yeah, I think so.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, yeah. got it. So, what do you think? You mentioned the seasons, you know, that's a good way to get some variety, you know, help your body train in different ways,、mm-hmm. right? What are other positives that you think on either side, in the US or in Japan, when it comes to training for sports? Yeah, so the opportunity to play different sports,、mm-hmm. that way, You can, or everyone can explore, you、mm-hmm. know, different sport,、yeah. different coaches,、mm-hmm. different, I guess, skills.、Uh-huh. You know, I think that's good. But sticking with one sport also l e t you dive deeper. Yes. Yeah. So、mm-hmm. I learned a lot about basketball and、mm-hmm. skills, and to the point that, you know, you, you can fairly analyze the、yes. team strategies like that.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know nothing about other sports, so that's、mm. the downside. That's the downside, yeah. 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 So in Japan, when you played basketball, I mean, to play anything collegiately,、uh-huh. you know, you're at a high level already. Yeah. How, do, how does that work in Japan? Are there different divisions, like how we have different divisions、yeah. in the US? Okay.、Yeah. And can you explain? How is that? Is it pretty competitive? Are there a lot of people in each conference or whatever grouping you have? Yeah.、Japan? So, up until high school,、mm-hmm. it's organized per ge- like geographic area.、Okay. So, the city, there's a city champion, and then they go to like a prefecture、mm-hmm. championship,、mm-hmm. and, and then the regional, and then、right. to the national. Got it. Yeah. So, that's how it's in structured. In high school? In below. Wow. Yeah. So, even school, in high school, middle school too, elementary you, school, you can、yeah. make it to the national championship. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And,、uh, but then the college level, we have a division system. So,、okay. similar, like、mm-hmm. division one, two, three, four. Okay. And you play within the division. And that's also organized in a geographic way. So,、uh-huh. the regional to national. Got it. Yeah. So, what position did you play growing up? <laughs> Or positions did you play growing I up? I started with playing center. Okay, because <laughs> you were tall. I was a tall kid. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. And、um, I, I literally didn't grow. So, middle school, I played four or、okay. four, number、yeah. four. Uh, high school was three. Okay. And college was two. Okay, got <laughs>、so. it. Got it. But I mean, it's. So good that you got to experience all of the basketball、yeah. and you learned a lot. Yeah. And I mean, looking back at it, what were some of the most memorable times or the biggest lessons that basketball has taught you? Okay, so it's nothing, it's, it's mostly about team sport. Yes.、Um, but so I thought that I was a pretty good player until when I was in high school, right? I was captain the whole、mm-hmm. time. From、um, elementary school, middle、mm-hmm. school, and high school. But then when I enter college, and that was a Division I college,、okay. everybody else but me was recruited into the program. I was the only one who walked in. Okay. Yeah. And that's when I realized, like, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's when I experienced, like, mostly being on the bench and not much court time, like,、uh-huh. playing time. And I thought that, so until, up until high school, being a captain、mm-hmm. and I have to talk to the team, you know,、uh-huh. you motivate the teammates, you know, all of that talk, right? And I thought I understood、uh-huh. how everybody else feels,、uh-huh. right?、Um, especially those who didn't get much playing time.、Mm-hmm. But when I actually entered college and being in that place,、mm-hmm. I realized 
I did not understand them. Mm -hmm. And that's some of the comments that uh, I actually received. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't think about us, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mm -hmm. from, from those... Um, the people not playing as yeah, much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I thought I did, but then that was their comment to me. Uh -huh. And I was hurt at the time, like, because I was trying to understand, mm -hmm. right? But so that's when I really realized you will not understand unless you experience it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that kind of uh, became my life philosophy. Like, don't yeah. pretend like you, you understand unless you did experience yeah. it. Yeah. That's a great message because... I mean, a lot of us, I think, I think that's what makes you a great athletic trainer too, is that, you know, the more that we can experience, and sometimes we won't experience like injuries or things firsthand, but as you start to try to put yourself in the other person's shoes, and the more that we try to be understanding and empathetic, that really helps you to become a better practitioner or mm -hmm. provider. So it's great to hear, you know, all of these things. And I think everyone goes through this at some time, right? You yep. get almost like a epiphany or a light bulb goes off like okay this is what what it really means or this is what you know helps me to understand more so it's good to hear that did you play basketball all four years in college yeah i did okay yeah so even though you know it might not have been the way that you would have liked to you know get more playing time and everything it still taught you all of these lessons and how was collegiate basketball in Japan? Was it pretty competitive? It, it was very competitive. Back in the day, <laughs> was all about volume of the practice. Got it. Yeah, so we practice, practice, practice until we cannot run anymore. That was the type of practice that I've been through. Yes. I think that's why I hate running. Because <laughs> I ran too much. We yeah. ran too much. Yeah, but um, in college, so I tore my ACL. This is another experience mm -hmm. that I could, um, I could utilize mm -hmm. practicing athletic training. Uh, so I tore my ACL in, in high school, and that kind of haunted me throughout the rest of my basketball career. I never really regained the full strength of the injured leg, mm -hmm. and I think that uh, contributed to a stress fracture of my tibia and calcaneus, yes. and I also tore my rectus femoris on the same side. So a whole bunch of injury mm -hmm. happened um, during the college time. But that also got me interested in injuries and rehab and helping other teammates who also are injured. And yeah, that that like supportive aspect of being a teammate, I kind of discovered that during the college time. Perfect that you brought that up. So that was going to be my next question. You know, going over the injuries that you've experienced, but also practicing year round, obviously you saw people get injured right mm -hmm. so let's start there like throughout middle school and high school mm -hmm. were there a lot of injuries that you were seeing not okay. as much as college uh, but i do remember a couple of the injuries from each time elementary school mm -hmm. i think she one of one of our teammates uh broke something ankle mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> i don't know mm -hmm. uh, you know at the time but she had the big cast and mm -hmm. on crutches and i i was interested yeah i don't know why yeah, but right. injuries always fascinated me <laughs> yeah. and i wanted to know more about it, Got it. um and then in middle school 
Nobody really had a severe injury, mostly okay. ankle sprains. But every time ankle sprain happened, I would be the first one <laughs> <laughs> being there, taking off the shoes, and yes. you know, we didn't, we don't have athletic trainers. Yes. We still don't most high most, schools yeah. or even college. Um, so coaches or PE teachers are the one that are there to help us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I was always the one who wanted to be around mm. and help. <laughs> and help, yes. yeah. And I had ankle sprain when I was mm. in middle school, so that was my first ankle sprain, I so remember. So were you, did you have any injuries leading up to your ACL or was that the first significant That injury? was the first significant injury, you know, besides that ankle sprain. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that happened during the away game. Okay. Um, and it was a contact MOI. Got it. Yeah, somebody basically landed on my knee and okay. I felt the pop. My leg went numb. I couldn't get up. Um, it wasn't really painful per se. I couldn't get up. I, I couldn't feel my leg. And that happened in front of our, our team bench. Mm-hmm. So they came out and carried me to the side and and I wanted to play. So after like taking a couple minutes, I went up to my coach and said, hey, I think I'm okay, put me back in. He, my coach at the time had ACL too. Uh-huh. And his ACL injury was really, really painful that he couldn't believe I was walking around and Got he it. told me to squat down and I did squat in front of him. It Got was it. painful, but I could bear it. So I was yeah. like, I think I could do it. Yeah. So he put me back in. Got it. And I ran around. But every time I try to cut, my knee will buckle. And Got it. that's when I kind of knew something really is wrong with yeah. my knee. But I finished the game anyway. You finished the game? Yeah. <laughs> how was this like towards the end of the game? Or how much more did you have to play? I think it was. So at the time, we only had uh, two sets of 20 minutes got that, it. that was the okay. game structure and it was the first i mean second half okay got it yeah but i finished it and but then at the end my knee was like was blown up yeah <laughs> yes. and you know how japanese bathroom is squat down style yeah, yeah. i couldn't use it because yeah. i couldn't bend down yeah so i struggled using yeah. bathroom yeah. i had to keep my one leg straight and i was yeah. holding like both sides of the, yeah, yeah. the wall to one yes. leg squat uh single leg squat and and then i had to catch a train Oh no. To go home. Yes. And you know how Japanese train is yeah. packed. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so I it was like forty five train minutes train ride. Yeah. And from the station though I call my mom, like, Mom, can you come pick me up? Yeah, you can't walk. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, there's so many things that <laughs> I'm curious about now. So before we get into the aftermath of the tearing your ACL. Yeah. Was there, did you guys do a lot of strength and conditioning at this time? High school, not so much. Not so much. Yeah. So it was just practices. Yeah. And I mean, we do have, just like, mm. you know, how, how the practices are here. We mm-hmm. do some conditioning uh, drills like that at the beginning, you know, warm up and conditioning. And we do have weight training days, but not as like consistent. Vigorous. Yeah. Okay. Because, I, I mean, well, you know your body more mm-hmm. than anyone does. So 
what do you think helped you to play or finish the rest of the game? Because for me, I would think, oh, maybe it was because you were just really strong and even though you were buckling, right? It was yeah. like, you still were functional. I to only a run straight. Extent. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you only run straight. Yeah. yeah. But in hindsight, do you think that, I mean, what do you think it was that allowed you to even run straight? Right? I, I think, which isn't good. Uh-huh. I don't say this in the... I, I'm not proud of this, yeah. but culture. Just to push through. Yeah. yeah. Push through and like playing through the pain and injuries. Yeah. I considered good. Yeah. Or I don't know, even like beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I totally had that mindset Just at the to time. Push through it. Yeah. And plus, like, nobody was able to assess my injury. Yes. Had somebody told, <clears throat> told me, you, yeah. you know, that... Then you wouldn't yeah, have Or stop me, mm-hmm. then I, I would have... But, yes. yeah. So that leads me to the second question is because, you know... And it's still like this today, right? There's not a lot of certified athletic trainers, like, in the U.S., in Japan. Mm-hmm. So there's no one to really evaluate on the spot. So, I mean you're making it all the way to the train station when you're realizing, okay, I'm not going to be able to walk. Yeah. So what's the aftermath of this? When did you find out that you tore your ACL? And what's that process like? Yeah, so do you, have you heard of Golden Week in Japan? No, I don't think so. It's May and it's like a week straight holidays. Okay. Yeah. So that happened just before the Golden Week. Got it. All the hospitals were closed and... I wasn't, you know, I I didn't even think to go to an emergency room. So we waited maybe like four days or four or five days to make an appointment with the doctor. And, you know, where I'm from is really country. Mm -hmm. So we went to an orthopedic doctor in, in town and really old grandpa kind of doctor (laughs) told me straight up that you're not going to be able to play basketball anymore. Like your career is over. Yeah. Yeah. High school. Yeah. And I cried. (laughs) Basketball was passion at the time. And, but at the same time, I knew it wasn't true. Uh He told me it's an ACL because, you know, the basketball magazines like that. Mm -hmm. And I I read story about Mm -hmm. how this player came back from ACL injuries. Mm -hmm. So I knew that wasn't true. Yes. So um, I asked my parents to take me to a different hospital, uh-huh. like a, a more up-to-date hospital, mm-hmm. sports medicine specifically. And that doctor there told me that, oh, yeah, you, you can go back to play basketball as long as you get surgery. Uh-huh. And so that's when I decided to do or go through the, the surgical procedure. Got and it. yeah. Thinking about that, because even now I would say the way Japan kind of handles surgery and rehab is different yeah. than other places. Yeah. Now going through that process, right? What kinds of things do you think really helped you to get back to basketball? I know you said that you kind of think in hindsight that you didn't regain full strength and it yeah. led to all these other injuries or issues. But at the time after surgery, what was that recovery process like? And what really helped you? <laughs> okay, so, so I had... Medial meniscus tear and ACL tear, and they decided that they'll suture my meniscus. Okay, and so they did, Mm -hmm. but um, I was non weight bearing for at least 
I believe like five or six weeks. Okay. I wasn't allowed to move my knee. Okay. Zero mm-hmm. range of motion exercise. Got it. For over a month. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. you know where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After that six months, um, I was referred to nothing during that time. Yeah. Just laying at home yeah. and do nothing, right? Yeah. And you mean six weeks? I mean, yeah, yeah six, six weeks. weeks. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I finally went back to the hospital. And PT in Japan is at the hospital. The There's hospital. no outpatient mm-hmm. uh, PT clinic. Um, so I would commute. I could walk, but I can't bend my knee. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I, I take off my uh, brace, knee brace, which was locked at the full extension for uh-huh. six weeks. Six weeks. Um, I barely had maybe 30 degrees of yeah. knee flexion. Yeah. The range of motion rehab was so painful. Yeah. So painful. Because at painful. that point, you needed a manipulation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I would go to the hospital, the PT's office, after school. So this happened over the summer. So mm. that was my entire summer vacation. You got it. And then went back to school. I could walk, but... Um, I couldn't play basketball. So after school, I would go to hospital and they would do my rehab. But it was so, so painful to the mm-hmm. point that I couldn't really eat lunch mm-hmm. because I'm so nervous about yeah. the rehab. Yeah. And I, you know, think about yes. how painful that is, right? And I was like screaming and crying yeah. every day because they would basically push. push yeah. yeah. And, but that, I mean, that's the only thing they could do at that. Yeah. At that point, yeah. and I almost had to go through a second surgery to clean up the, the, the adhesion. Tissue, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I didn't have to. Past ninety degree, there is a lot more things that I could do on my own. Yes. Before ninety degree was hard mm-hmm. um, to to do any range of motion um, yeah. on my own. But past ninety degree was, uh, for example, in Japan we always take bath every uh-huh. day. So I would just like sit in a bath and try to like push my yeah, yeah knee. Uh, butt into knee yeah and and it improved so i didn't have to go through a second surgery but it Got took it. a long time to regain full range of motion yes. yeah yes it's so interesting to hear the different experiences and i mean the meniscus repair part the you know making sure that it's healed that's good but not moving your knee passively mm-hmm. that really made your knee (laughs) really tough to get out of that straight straight extension right so i do want to fast forward because there's so many things that we want to talk about but after that kind of give the brief timeline of okay when did you recover from acl when did you get cleared Uh when was that like how long after surgery six months six months okay that's pretty early how did you feel uh, not ready, mm-hmm. but mentally, I needed. I wanted to play. <laughs> yes, yes. So and nobody's stopping me. Yes. Um. So yeah. So I did. <laughs> what did you do then? Because I guess there's not too many places that specialize in coming back from injury. No, no yeah. one. Basically, the PT clinic. I was done after I regained full range of motion. The strength exercises like that was all on my own. They basically tell you to do like wall sit and Mm -hmm. squats and um, some range of motion exercise. Mm -hmm. And they had the side backs. Uh And at the time, I remember they said if my strength was Mm -hmm. 
80%. Then you're cleared. Uh, yep. <laughs> so they cleared me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was basically doing rehab all on my own, mm. like just, you know, do squats, uh, yeah. lunges like that. The only person who really helped me was a P- PE teacher okay. at high school. And she had a lot of experience in sports medicine, but it was all self-taught. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know at the time, mm-hmm. but I thought PE teacher yeah. will be able to do this kind of thing. Yeah. And that's why I went to college to be a PE teacher. Got it. Got <laughs> so. it. So after you went back, so you eventually got stronger and stronger mm-hmm. as the months went on, right? Yeah. Explain the brief timeline of the other injuries. Other injuries? Yes. So... College. In relation to the ACL, yeah. How yeah. far out were you? So I finished high school without any other significant injuries. Okay. Um, in college, though, I guess same here too. Like the volume and intensity mm-hmm. of the the practice is way way mm-hmm. higher compared to high school that I mm-hmm. went to, and so that in itself, like I started with MTSS both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, I had that every yes. season. I think it was my freshman year, freshman or sophomore, one okay. of the earlier years, I felt a pull in your quad. In my quad. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, it, it's a beauty to push it through, right? Mm-hmm. So I pushed it through for like a month or so. Okay. Um, I just like wrapped it mm-hmm. with ace, ace bandage mm-hmm. really, really tight. And I just kept practicing. But um, I developed like a lump in my thigh okay. <laughs> and I wonder like what is this right uh-huh. so I decided to finally go see an orthopedic doctor okay. and they said that I have bl- a blood clot oh, <laughs> in no. my, or the pool of yeah. blood yeah. and if it keeps developing then I would have to surgically remove, remove it, it. Mm-hmm. yeah which wasn't at that point but um, we used like ultrasound to break it mm-hmm. up and you know the, went through the whole treatment so I, I believe I don't remember the order but that was one of the significant injury okay. I still have like you can see a gash in my Got thigh it. yeah and then the other two injury was all on my right side the injured side uh-huh. the stress fracture on my tibia and calcaneus and this too this is unreal orthotics uh-huh. I was referred to an orthotics and yeah. they said that my alignment was off on my right leg. Okay. So they created an insole, mm-hmm. which the material was really hard. It okay. wasn't like yeah. cushy material, right? Uh-huh. And it was tall. Okay. Only on my right shoe. Okay. Nothing on my left Nothing side. Nothing on the other side, yeah. I think that was why I developed calcaneal stress fracture. Yeah, and all of that. Yeah. 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 That's so interesting. I mean, you know, in hindsight now, obviously we can look back and it's 2020 that, well, you know, obviously if you don't have strength in your calf, in your hip, all of this stuff, then yeah, there's going to be a lot of overuse things. You're going to have stress fractures. You're going to have shin splints, you know, all of this other stuff. But it kind of shows you, I mean, now obviously we both know, and even for me, like thinking back to even when I graduated school with my master's degree, I had no idea what was important in rehab and obviously when you see the volume that i fortunately got to see there's so many things that wow this is so complex to rehab a simple acl Mm -hmm. and i think that's the take-home message here is that when you have an injury it's a lot of things that you're gonna do even after you're cleared to return to play yeah to continue to make sure that it doesn't become problematic or lead into other injuries yeah and unfortunately 
you had to experience all of that. But maybe fortunately, that's what led you into athletic training. Yeah. So I do want to talk about that. We could talk about your injuries so much more. Um, but let's talk about how you actually got interested in athletic training. Uh huh. And what was it like coming over to the U.S. to pursue athletic training for you? Yeah. So, so like I said, I. You know, I didn't really research <laughs> about becoming athletic trainers in Japan, but at the time it was like mostly volunteer work anyway. Mm -hmm. And there's no official or formal athletic training program in Japan mm -hmm. at the time, um, so I decided to go to Pete, physical mm -hmm. education uh, teacher, and I actually do have a license <laughs> in Japan. Yeah, or in the U.S. Too? In, in Japan. In Japan. Yeah, for all levels: elementary, middle school Got to it. high school. Uh, but then I also realized that this is nothing about sports medicine. Mm -hmm. So to become a teacher, you have to do internship, right? Just like okay. any other uh, teacher ed programs. So I did, and I realized that I probably won't fit in that world. Oh, P being a PE teacher. <laughs> being a PE yeah. teacher, or maybe like being a teacher, period. I don't okay. know. So one incident that I still remember is that so i was i was a teacher that day you know tr training to mm -hmm. be a teacher and i was responsible for conducting that uh pe class and it was a gymnastic day right so okay. simple uh skills that day's goal was to connect one skill to the other okay. smoothly okay right so how old are we talking about this is middle school okay. yeah okay. so yeah maybe 13 14 okay yeah and um, yeah, so the today's theme is to be creative and connect this skill to the second skill smoothly. Okay. And so everybody, you know, went on the group and went in a group and, you know, tried different skills, right? And this one kid, he was a rascal, like, <laughs> okay. of, of the class. And he did something that I've, I've never seen. He literally created a transitional skills on his own, right? Got so it. I was amazed. Okay. And... I said to class, hey, come over, you know, look what he did. He created new skills, you know, and this works because it connects one skill to another really smoothly. Okay. And um, so that's what I did, right? Uh -huh. I wanted to encourage creativity. Yes. After the class, I was called into a teacher's room and I got scolding because I did that. And their thing was that it's not in the textbook you don't call that a skill. Oh, I see. Yeah. So you couldn't even do or encourage that type of thing yeah. because it wasn't following the textbook. Yeah. yeah. So I was told to apologize to the students for providing wrong information. Got it. Got it. And I could not do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because if I apologize, then what You're happened to that kid? Yeah. 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 Who was excited about being creative right and yep. i didn't want to yes undo that yeah. um so i didn't end up apologizing the next day i basically said the same thing you know this is what i was told what he did wasn't on the textbook so it's not called the skill 
But I still think it's amazing that he created something that is not even in textbook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's yeah. basically what I said. Yeah. Luckily, I didn't fail that class. <laughs> yeah, I got it. But that's when I kind of realized, like, I don't know if I fit here. Yeah. yeah. How did you get introduced to athletic training? Because it's there was no athletic trainers, mm-hmm. hardly any, probably during this time frame. Yeah. Right? So how did you hear about athletic training? So when you go to a bigger tournament or uh, mm. leagues like that, there's always a team okay. that has athletic trainer. Got it. And you hear about it. But I mean, at the time, it, I didn't know it wasn't a job. Like it was a volunteer. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you always hear about it. You always see other teams. You know, there is a designated person who does ankle taping and, you Uh know, do all these other stuff. So I kind of knew the existence of of the the service, athletic training service. I also knew that there is no program. Um, It's all kind of self-teaching kind of stuff. Or a lot of the Japanese uh, so-called athletic trainers have different credentials like either PT or acupuncturist or judo Mm. therapist and then they do athletic training as a volunteer they're trying to change that now they're trying to create a full-time athletic training job in Japan Uh, but at the time you know it was definitely volunteer Um, so you know I knew about it and I don't know why I knew that United States had such (laughs) program I don't remember but for me I finished college I didn't want to be a teacher for that reason anymore Uh and luckily my parents and my family actually my entire family moved to California because of my dad's work okay yeah that happened when I was a freshman in college okay so they've been there for like the three four years um I was in Japan going to college my my family were in California, so it was it wasn't hard for me to decide that okay I'm gonna go join my family in California and look for a program there. Got it. Yeah. What was your so you graduated college in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. What was your degree there? Was it PE? Yeah. Okay, PE. So then now you moved to California, mm-hmm. right? And what was it like to actually start to pursue athletic training now? So first off. I had to go to English school. Got it. Yeah, zero English skill. <laughs> I couldn't even order Jack in the Box. <laughs> yeah. I would point like number one, yeah. and they would tell me for here where to go, and uh-huh. I did not understand that. Right. So, okay. When when was this? Because this was two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah. Because every time I talk to you, uh-huh. I honestly like just forget that you speak Japanese as your first language. <laughs> Because it's just natural already. So, I mean, it must have been such a tough obstacle to overcome. Because the only reason why I can kind of relate is like, when I go to Japan, they start just speaking fluent Japanese to me. And I'm like, what? As soon as I open (laughs) up my mouth, they're like, okay, this guy is not not a native Japanese person, right? But anyway, so explain that. Going to to English school, right? What was that like for you? Yeah, so... For us to enter even junior college, you have to have TOEFL score, like English exam score, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have enough, so I couldn't enter any college. And that's why I had to go uh, start with English school. There's like six different levels. You have to take a placement test. I started with three, level three. And you study English, I guess, there. But in English school, 
It's a school for people who doesn't speak English, right?、Yeah. So all of the classmates they don't speak English either.、Yeah. <laughs> the only、uh, person who's fluent is the teacher. teacher. Yeah, so we communicate with broken English, but typically they will get together after school. They will get together with with、uh, mm-hmm. friends who speak the same language,、mm-hmm. right?、Um, so there's like a group of. of Chinese or Taiwanese, Brazilian,、okay. Japanese, and I didn't want to join that group because then what's the point? Of, oh yeah, yeah. So I would、uh, go straight home and I watched movie. You got it. Okay. Every day, same movie over and over and、got、over <laughs> to help your comprehension, right? Yeah. So okay, did you ever have English? Growing up in Japan, we take classes、um, from just, middle school. Actually, got it. Yeah, so we we learn about、uh, grammars and、okay. reading. So you had something, yeah, but it wasn't nearly enough to like be conversational. It's a total. In my opinion, it's a different skill.、Like、got it. Conversation, speaking. Yes. It needs a different curriculum. Got it. Yeah. So where since your parents were there for about three or four years、mm-hmm. now. Did they speak pretty good English? Or my dad did. Okay. Yeah. So that at least helped. You could practice at home, kind of, with your dad. Never did. Never did. <laughs> okay, got it. So now, okay, how long did it take for you to actually like, even if it was broken English,、uh-huh. like actually be a little bit more confident and speak in English? Yeah. So、out? what helped was,、uh, so luckily I was going to English school, but then I got connected with、uh, Japanese. Athletic training student, okay, and that school happened to be really close to where oh, okay where we used to live, and so that would be that was the school that I went. But、um, he invited me to come and observe the athletic training room. Okay, so I did, and the head athletic trainer at the time recommended me to start interning. Got it. Without being where, formally. What was this school? Enrolled.、Uh, this is Foothill College. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Gary Lang was the head athletic trainer、okay. at the time, and yeah. So he invited me to start interning.、Um, so I started doing that. So in the morning I would go to English school, and then in the afternoon I would volunteer in the athletic training room, and that really helped because. Everybody else around me,、English. athletes. You know, so, I I was forced to speak English.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like within the first year of you arriving. Yeah, you were starting to enter. Yeah, so that、okay. happened maybe like three months into. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, and then from there, I'm assuming that you just started immersing yourself、yeah. in speaking English. Yeah. So it really helped. So now, okay, you're not only speaking English, but now you're getting a taste for athletic training、uh-huh. because you're interning in this athletic、yeah. training room. So when was it that you actually was like, okay, I want to become a certified athletic trainer? I already was. Yeah, Got it. yeah. You were already interested. Yeah. Yeah, I was already interested, and you know, it was fun for me to even just do because I couldn't do much, you know, at、mm-hmm. the beginning, right? So、yeah. I would just clean the table, take、mm-hmm. out the laundry, you、mm-hmm. know, do chores.、Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, I was really excited、Got、every、it. day. So finally, I. Got enough TOEFL score, and I was able to enter enrolled in、okay. in classes. And at Foothill College. Yeah, at Foothill. Okay. And okay. so at the time, it was an internship system. Yes. Yeah. So NATA at the time allowed 
us to use the degree from different country mm-hmm. yeah so I already had a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. so all I needed to complete was take all the courses and uh, complete the intern hours yes so that was my main focus but yeah learning new skills was really fun even though I kind of knew a lot of the taping uh-huh. techniques for example kinesio tape uh-huh. When I was in college in Japan, I self-taught oh. how to do it. Uh-huh. And I was the one who's taping all my, my teammates. <laughs> yes, yeah. 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 But, you know, learning new skills like that was really fun. And also class was really hard because everything was in English. <laughs> so I would have like back in the day, we didn't have phones, yes. like smartphones, right? So I had a cassette like tape recorder. I would sit all the way at the front and I would record <laughs> the teachers every lecture and take notes as much as I can maybe I would understand like 30% of the lecture go home listen read textbook that was my everyday Um, but then even then that was I think that that might be my first time feeling or enjoying learning Mm. yeah because then a lot of the things that we used to do like icing uh-huh. stretching you know warming up we knew that that was the thing to do but then i never really learned why mm-hmm. and that was the information that i was getting through these classes and that was really fun for me like all aha moment you know yes. like oh that's why <laughs> yeah yes i think a lot of us as athletic trainers you know we get that moment that's really how we pursue athletic training because yeah. of the interest right mm-hmm. and you enjoy learning about all yeah. of these things so how long did it take you after you got here mm-hmm. right and had to you know study english and then do your internship hours how mm-hmm. long did it take for you to actually get certified oh two years two years so yeah. it was pretty quickly yeah and in those two years i'm guessing that even your english and everything got way better because you were immersing yourself yeah studying yeah i it it wasn't i wasn't fluent but Mm -hmm. um enough to pass the boc exam and communicate a lot yeah Yeah. (laughs) so i I, we're gonna fast forward a little bit because you had a lot of great experiences so after you got certified Uh right through the boc becoming a certified athletic trainer what was the next step did you automatically get that intern internship or ga position or what what did you do after you got certified? Yeah, so I became... Oh, this is, uh, I guess, a funny story. I came uh-huh. to UH to okay. take the BOC exam. Okay. Yeah, because in California, I wanted to take the BOC exam that summer, but all the sites were full. Uh-huh. And the only sites that is that was available was UH. UH. So that was my first time coming to Hawaii to take the BOC exam all by myself. <laughs> got it. So you never even visited Hawaii before? No. Oh, got it. Yeah, okay. that was the first time. But anyway, so I, I passed the, the BOC exam. But before I got that result, of course, you know, I applied to GA ship at uh, Stanford and Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Those are the two close uh, college that has GA ship. And I had some connections uh, because I volunteered at both sites. And, uh, but both sites, I was turned down because they had somebody that was already certified. Mm-hmm. That was the reason that was provided to me. So, you know, I was wondering what to do. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, I received the result that I passed and I, you know, informed those 
my contact at Stanford and Berkeley. You know, thank you so much. You know, and um, Stanford, there's this GA coordinator, Tomo. Okay. He is my great mentor. Uh-huh. But um, so I contacted him and he said, oh, there is a summer camp job. Mm-hmm. Are you interested? And so I was like, oh, yes, you know, mm-hmm. definitely. So I took that summer job mm-hmm. and that's where I met all the other GAs at mm-hmm. Stanford. There's eight of them. Okay. And most of them are GAs from San Jose State, but then a okay. couple of them are interns. So mm-hmm. they weren't going to school. They were just doing it as an intern. Okay. And I was going to Cal State Hayward. Okay. At the time, now they changed name to eBay, Cal City eBay. Okay. So I was gonna, I, I wanted to maintain my student status. That was the only way I could mm. stay. But so during that summer of eight GAs, one of them uh, was recruited to go to Cleveland, the okay. NBA team. Okay. Because one of the Stanford staff got the job, full time job. Got it. And he recruited him to go with him and so we're talking at the lunch and he was you know wondering like should I go there or should I do one more year of intern here at Stanford and everybody was like what are you talking (laughs) about go yeah Yeah. so then all of a sudden there's one opening Uh and that's how I got in got it yeah (laughs) and how long were you at Stanford for one year year. it was meant to be two years but then again the there's visa restriction that I wasn't aware of at the time. At the end of first year, mm-hmm. by the way, I had a great experience there. Yes. Uh, but at the end of the first year, I wanted to continue, but um, I had no choice. So the only way I for me to to gain more experience was mm-hmm. to go to different or yeah, go oh, to I different see. GA route. Um, so I applied to maybe like. 10 different GA ships oh, okay. across the nation okay. and UH was one of them yeah. and I actually had offered from most programs because I already was certified Got it. UH was the only school that covered full tuition or the wave full tuition for uh, GAs okay. international GAs all Got the it. other schools um, I was going to be responsible for the the difference in cost usually mm-hmm. international students pay higher tuition um, just like out-of-state mm-hmm. tuition yeah and all the other GA positions I still had to be responsible for that difference yes. I couldn't afford it <laughs> yes. and yeah that's how I came to UH got it so when you came to UH this was for your master's degree yeah. first and what was your master's degree Post-professional. Post-professional. Yeah. Okay, got it. So, see, I didn't even know all of this. So, you went through the <laughs> post-professional, uh-huh. and that's where you were working at UH Lab, I want to no, say? Marino. No, Marino. Marino. Yeah. Okay, so that was your GA, yeah. GA ship. Yeah, we didn't have a gym at the time. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> got it. We don't have to say uh, how long that was. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so you were, so Marino is one of the high schools out here. Yeah. And, yeah, typically that's the GA ship through UH mm-hmm. that... They get a certified athletic trainer that you have to go through school, right? And then you do your GA hours, I yeah. guess, at Marino. Mm-hmm. So you went through two years at that. Mm-hmm. How was the transition coming from California to Hawaii? What was it like for you? Fun. <laughs> <laughs> Did you always like to surf? Or was that no, something? No, I so learned, That's yeah. something that you picked up when you came here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Yeah. Were you a water person in Japan? I... I swam... Oh, so I guess before basketball, mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. swam. Okay. But this was when 
Okay, so going back, uh-huh. um, when I was two years old to six years old, uh-huh. um, we lived in Singapore. Okay. Yeah, okay. and that's when I learned swimming. Okay. And the swimming lesson there was nothing like swimming lesson in Japan. Okay. Basically, there's coach and you and a pool. There's nobody else. Got it. Yeah, and... I swam like one kilometer when I was four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was a pretty good swimmer. Uh-huh. Uh, but then I, I so maybe that was another sport that I <laughs> that you could <laughs> yeah. have pursued. Yeah. yeah. But uh, came back to Japan. I wanted to continue, but then the swimming class or the club in Japan was really crowded. Mm. You spend more time waiting in line than swimming and so i didn't enjoy much and i quit (laughs) um yeah but i i knew how to swim i was comfortable with water and my brother surfed in california oh yeah so he never really surfed in california i would go with him Uh um i tried actually like two times Uh but so santa cruz in california and the water is so cold yeah and i just couldn't do it (laughs) (laughs) so now i mean that must have been a big part of you know you you like to surf so you know what was hawaii kind of what you expected or was it something different it's really really funny but um when i first came to hawaii Mm -hmm. to take the boc exam and i got out of the airplane at the airport i felt the air and i felt nostalgia like i felt like i'm home at home yeah Uh i don't know why i still cannot explain why but that's totally how i felt and yeah i'm i'm really comfortable in hawaii in hawaii yeah and really weird story but when i was in japan i would run a really high fever Uh once a year okay every year tonsillitis yeah and I, I got used to it, you uh-huh. know, because every year it happens, right? Uh-huh. So I would just take medicine and still go to work and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, but then that never happened when I moved to California. Okay. That never happened in here, Hawaii. Got it. Um, between my PhD degree and the current position, uh-huh. I had one year off. Mm-hmm. I lived in Taiwan. Okay. I was sick the whole time. Oh, yeah, so like, same thing with the environment. Right? Yeah, it's really weird, but ah. um, I was always sick in Taiwan. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, the environment and everything. Yeah. But it's so interesting that you ended up in Hawaii. So, two-year master program, mm-hmm. right? Did you take time off between your master's and your PhD program? I uh, took off from school, okay. but I worked full-time um, mm-hmm. at a PT clinic. Got it. Yeah. How long was that? One year. Yeah, one year. Yeah, okay. one year. And then after that, you came back. decided to pursue your PhD. Yeah. And this is where we're coming full circle because <laughs> the position that you got your PhD in is the position that I'll be filling in the fall, I believe. Yay! Right? And you are the one that started this relationship with Straub. And I'm just coming in, reaping kind of all of the benefits that you did over the past decade. But I'm so fortunate for everything that you guys have built. And I'm really excited. But let's talk about that. What made you decide to 
get your PhD? Is that something that you had on your radar the whole time? Or was it no, like, oh, I'm just going to try? Yeah, I don't know if it's good, but I'm going to be really honest. <laughs> okay.、Uh, my choice was to go back to Japan、mm. or go back to school. Got it. And I really loved living here.、Uh-huh. I don't know, like, people, ocean,、yeah. air. Environment, <laughs>、yeah. you know, I, I loved everything about being in Hawaii and I just wanted to be here and I wanted to gain more experience. But yeah, I just wasn't ready to go back to Japan. And yeah, so I decided to, I even,、um, Chris Dickley、uh-huh. was a PhD student at the time.、Yes. And I even like talked to him. Oh, I talked to him and there are. Uh, basically, saying come back to the program, you know, we'll welcome you. But then I wasn't sure if my reason was good enough.、Oh, <laughs> you know, just because I don't want to go back to Japan, is that a good enough reason、uh-huh. to, to pursue PhD?、Mm-hmm. Because it never ever crossed my、mm-hmm. mind. Zero、yep. percent.、Yes. Yeah, I always was interested in、uh, clinical. Side、uh-huh. of being an athletic training、mm-hmm. or trainer. And yeah, I, I never、mm-hmm. even imagined being a, a professor or a researcher.、Yes. Um, so I kind of was confused <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and I you know, talked to Chris about that.、Uh-huh. Like, is it okay?、Mm-hmm. You know, is, is, I don't have a good reason.、Mm-hmm. I guess he also knew that.、Mm-hmm. I will give my 100%、mm-hmm. whatever that I decide to do. And I knew that of myself. And so, yeah, so I did.、Yeah. <laughs> and I gave my 100%. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history. I mean, so after that, I know we're going to fast forward a little bit because I know you have a lot of things to do and then we don't want to keep you too long. But so you pursued your PhD, graduated with your doctorate or PhD at UH. And then. This is when I first met you, right? Yeah. So during my program, we had a program director change, which I'm glad that you stepped in in 2012, 2013,、I、think was your first year. Yeah. So you took over as the chair of the director position,、mm-hmm. and that was our second year in the program. Yeah. And I mean, that was really good too because you helped me a lot during that transition. And obviously, you've been really supportive throughout my career, and even to this part because I can say that. I relate to you a lot because even, well, maybe like two years ago, I think this is the first time that we've actually thought about, or you've mentioned to me, like, hey, what about your PhD? And we had a conversation. But even two years ago, I wasn't really like, it wasn't on my radar. I thought, no, I just want to be a practicing clinical athletic trainer. And then I guess as COVID hit and things started to progress, it was like, hey, maybe this is a possibility. Maybe the timing's right. So I can kind of relate to you too. I know it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be hard for me, but hopefully it pans out well in the next four years.、Mm-hmm. But anyway, before we leave, I do want to talk about any message that you have for athletic training students,、mm-hmm. people interested in the field of, of athletic training,、mm-hmm. or even the general public that wants to know what kinds of resources we offer, right?、Mm-hmm. Is there any message that you want to get out there about the field of athletic training, especially with your mix of? Being a practicing athletic trainer, you know, going through the curriculum side, directing the master's program, getting your PhD, all of this. What is your message that you want to share about the field of athletic training? Okay. 
I think this is a profession for those who enjoy supporting others. Doesn't necessarily uh, athletic training or the profession in itself is not. I don't know. It, we don't have. A, is it limelight? Is that yeah. how you call yeah. it? Yeah, we're not in the limelight or you know on yeah. the front lines getting all of the attention. Right? Yeah, we're always behind the scene mm-hmm. of somebody that is in the limelight. <laughs> yeah. But I actually do enjoy uh, being that person and. Yeah, so I think this profession is for those who enjoys being that person. Uh, we call it. I don't know. Is there? I don't know if there's an English expression to this, but we call it a enoshita no chikara mochi. Okay. Like you are the power behind everything else that goes on. So, Got it. like you don't have to be in the front uh-huh. and you know getting all the attention. Yes. Uh, I I don't like getting attention, <laughs> uh, but I like to support those who mm. gets attention and yeah. So I kind of you know had conversation with uh, students who mm. doesn't enjoy being that. Mm-hmm. That uh, position, right? And mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are people who enjoy being that. So, yeah, I think this profession is for those who <laughs> likes doing that. Yes. Yeah, and I personally, again, don't like getting attention, mm-hmm. but I like seeing others grow yes. or improve mm-hmm. or get the attention that they want or mm-hmm. you know whatever the goal that they have yes. right i i like to be a supporter mm-hmm. and so in this position or being a clinical athletic trainer i think that's a common mm-hmm. common ground that i enjoy yeah so yeah. i don't know if it was a message but i would like people to know that uh-huh. this is the profession that i'm proud of and mm-hmm. There are people who really, you know, enjoy doing that. Yes. But maybe you don't know because we're always behind the scene. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's very true because people don't necessarily. I mean, even in today's society, you know, athletic training is not well known. I think. Mm-hmm. But if you ask anybody who's relatively in the field of sports and athletics, everyone knows what an athletic training is if you've been around one, because I think. You know, there's a lot of skilled practitioners that are really passionate in helping other people, like you said, supporting these athletes or supporting people to achieve the goals that they want, mm-hmm. right? And that's in all settings, I think. Like, and that's gonna be something that I need to get used to and transition. You know, is like even in the PhD program or in the academic world, I still can, you know, reach people and help people and support them with mm-hmm. whatever they need. But I think that's a great message: is to if you don't know what an athletic trainer is, or you don't know what types of resources or help they can offer you, then yeah, go check out any sports program. Go ask around. You know, people will know athletic trainers, and then that's a great way to get introduced into what services we offer mm-hmm. and really help you. Whether it's recovering from injury, mm-hmm. whether it's trying to get more healthy and fit, or even trying to train for a sport, I think we have a lot of things that we can contribute to not only athletes but just the gen- general public in mm-hmm. general. So overall, I mean, 
a lot of this was the first time that I've heard your story. So this is <laughs> this is very interesting, and I'm glad to. I mean, thanks for all of the support and everything that you guys have done for me throughout the years. But I am looking forward to, and everyone will kind of see. You know, I'll be sharing some of the things that I'm learning within reason, of course. And I'm looking forward to working with everyone at UH University of Hawaii. Looking forward to all of the everything that comes with this experience, all of the highs, the stressful times, <laughs> everything. When I'm thinking, what am I doing? But I, I'm really excited for all of this. And yeah, we're so excited to have you too. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Hopefully, I finish in four years. <laughs> That's the plan. But other than that. Any last words that you want to share? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I thank really you. enjoy. Thank you so much. I enjoyed every guest episode. I enjoy, but it was great to sit down, and I'm glad we got to do this. You know, during summer when things are settling down a little bit. But overall, thank you so much for joining us, and I'll see everyone or be back here same time, same place next week. Thanks again, Kaori. Thank you. Bye.